So let's give it up for Maya and the Giant TV. All right. So today we're talking about video games, video games in life. And I'm going to kind of walk around here just for a second. That's kind of high. Can you see me okay? Yeah, we kind of okay? All right. So. here today that she is going to play. It is classic NES. She doesn't know the game. I don't even know if she knows what Nintendo is for that matter. Do you know what Nintendo is, Jane? I know what Nintendo. All right, so let's fire this up. Now we're just going to place bets. Okay, we've got to do this now. Start placing bets with odds right where you're at about how far you think Jane is going to get. Who thinks Jane is going to win this game before our eyes? Give it up for Jane if you think that she's going to win this game right now. Who thinks Jane is going to butch this so bad she doesn't get out of level one? Give it up for Jane right now. All right, should we see? Should we see? Jane? Good luck. Thank you, Jane. Now, the Lord has blessed me with being born in the opportune time in human history. That just as I was coming into the world, coin-operated video games and the Atari 2600 was making its advent. Video games are my love. They are my passion. They are my life, or at least were through most of my childhood. Why? Because I have a Y chromosome. All right? <laughs> Growing up, we would get a season pass to Great America every year. Anyone do this? Anyone do the season pass thing? For me, it was not about the rides. For me, it was access to count it six arcades scattered through. Does anyone know this mall? And what made the, yeah, give it up for this mall because this mall had something. Do you remember it? Aladdin's Castle. Right? Dad would drop me off, he'd give me a five, I would blow it in approximately 3.5 seconds, right? And then after having arguably maybe an hour in the arcade or 40 minutes in the arcade, what does a 10-year-old boy do? You start going to the coin returns, right? You start pushing it because there's always more tokens to be found if you are industrious. How many of you here can resonate with what I'm saying? Now, for those of you who have been born in this generation, in the last 20 years, I need to explain something about what you witnessed here today. See, video games today are about unlimited lives, right? You just keep playing. And if you die, the worst that happens to you is you go back to a respawn site, you don't even lose your gear half the time, and you can play in an unlimited kind of fashion. But back in the good old days, you got three lives and they charged you to use them. Back in the good old days, you got to play three times. 
three tries until you got that scene that we saw right before our eyes, which basically says two words, game over. What I want to do today is talk about life and video games. If we can make a comparison, life in many ways is like a video game. You're born. You're thrust into a world that you have never seen. And you gotta figure it out. Now some people have the advantage of another player playing with them. A parent, if you will. Some have the advantage of witnessing how others have played the game before them. And so maybe there's some base familiarity, but for others, controls are put into their hands and they simply have to figure it out. And if you get shot at, you get shot at. And you don't even know why. If you fall off a bridge that blows up, you might go, I didn't even know I was on a bridge and I didn't even know it can collapse. And now I'm in the water and I don't even know why. But unlike video games, in this world, you get one life. And there really aren't do-overs, are they? You get one life, and, and whatever you choose to do with that life, there's consequences. There's consequences to you, there's consequences to other people, and sometimes you find yourself in the consequences of what other people are doing in this game called life, living in the aftermath of that all of us find ourselves in this game called life and we've got one shot we have got one shot to play the game and with it the stakes are high now god has a lot to say about how to play the game of life. A lot of what we do here any given Sunday is trying to listen to God, to learn from God, to hear from God, to read his word, to meditate on it. We talk about it, we preach about it, you know, we sing about it. We do all these kinds of things. Why do we do it? Because God has something to say about it. And if anyone knows how to play the game of life, it is God, would you agree? And so we gather here to learn how to play this game. Now, here at FOF, we have tried to condense a lot of the biblical teaching about this game called life into a pillar, if you will, that we call restart. And I want to share this with you this morning. Here's how we put it. We say discipleship, or the journey of seeking to play the game God's way, Jesus' way in this world. That's how we'll define discipleship for you this morning. It means radically turning our lives over to God. We believe we are loved by God. And though we're broken, God yearns to redeem and restore every aspect of who we are. We believe the only way to truly discover the depths of what God is calling us to do is by stepping out of our comfort zones and taking leaps of faith. What do you think would happen to Jane if she just put the controller down and said, you know what, I'm not going to play? What do you think would have happened? I'll tell you what had happened. She would have died a lot quicker. Because even though you might check out, life doesn't. And it'll keep shooting at you. And it'll keep moving. 
And the only way to get through this life is having to take risk. It's having to step out. It's having to go into spaces and areas that are scary. It is having to go into the bullets, not retreating back from them or going, I hope they don't hit me and staying in place. No video game is one that way. And any video game player knows is that you have got to go for it. You have got to take leaps of faith and life in many ways, especially with God, is the same true. Now it goes on. It says that following him is extreme. There's weird monsters like all around. There's guns popping out. There's bridges blowing up. It's an adventure. It is a journey of discovering and rediscovering a deeper life with him every single day. Now I believe that. I believe this defines what a life with Jesus looks like. Now, don't hear me wrong. What I am not suggesting is that you have a life with Jesus. You have to be someone that like appeared in a Mountain Dew commercial in the 90s or something like that. I'm not saying a life with Jesus means you constantly have to be jumping out of a plane or, or like, you know, trying out for point break or doing something like that. I am not trying to indicate to you that your life needs to be reckless either. But what I am saying to you is that God wants you to play the game, and he wants you to play it his way. And that includes risk, that includes stepping out, that includes leaps of faith, that includes getting out of your comfort zone, the safe and secure bubble that you've built around yourself going, Lord, where do you want me to go in this level that I'm in? How do I play life according to the way you are calling me to? whatever the risk might be. God is the kind of God who will ask you to do things that are so out of your comfort zone, it's nuts. I think that one classic passage, and I'll just share one with you today, where Jesus and his disciples are in a boat, and the storm is there, and the waves are high, and Jesus, I misspoke, I said was in the boat, he gets out, he gets out of the boat, And he starts doing what? You know the story? Walking on water. Peter's in the boat. He sees it. And he wants to be like Jesus. Lord, call me out and let me walk to you. And Jesus takes him up on it. But what I found is oftentimes, it's not just at our request, but God will simply say, get out of the boat. Get out of the boat and start walking on water. And you're like, are you kidding me? And we hope he says yes. But with God, I find he's often deadpan serious. Back in the day, John Ortberg wrote a book, and I love its title. It speaks for itself. If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. I find that to be the case and a life with God. God will call us to do things that we never thought ourselves capable of doing. God will call us to live in such a way that just doesn't make sense. God will call us to challenge our assumptions, common sense wisdom, and the way that our culture seeks to live and operate to put him first and do things for him even though it doesn't add up and it comes with Risk. If your life is based solely on risk aversion, may I challenge you to ask yourself the question, am I really living for God? But the problem 
is none of us play the game perfectly. There's not a person here who plays the game perfectly. We just don't even know what we're playing half the time. We get into the game and the unexpected happens, even after we think we've figured out the pattern. We get into the game and we notice that it gets harder and harder the further in we go. We play the game. And we find we're not that skilled at it. Our hands and our feet and our minds and our hearts, they just don't work that fluidly. And we stumble our way through making stupid mistakes. Things that in retrospect go, why did I do that again? Even if I may have done it 20 times already. <laughs> There's times we play the game and we get frustrated and we throw the controller across the room. You ever break one of your game or game controllers or machines? But unfortunately, in the game of life, it doesn't end it. And then we got to pick up the broken pieces. Some of us play the game timidly, and we hold back and get destroyed. Some of us play recklessly, and we die too soon. But there's not a one of us here who play the game perfectly. I've become very interested with these YouTube clips that you can go home and look at on your own where people will try to take a game like this and play it perfectly. One life, record time, no mistakes. Some claim to do it until you watch six months later and someone beats their time. I submit to you that when it comes to this game, none of us are playing at 100%. And sometimes, the way we play has nothing to do with anything. Sometimes it's just bad timing when life goes the wrong way. I want to show you a clip here this morning and uh, just give you one example of what I mean. When you have go. bad timing. Because in one split second, you thought the threat was passed. And you move just a fraction too late or a fraction too soon. And the consequences are devastating and sometimes you're set up for it. Are you with me, guys? Can you identify with this? Or is this my life alone? And I want to state this again. In video games, you get three lives, even the classic and the hardest. In this game, you get one life. And I think about some of these passages you'll find in the Bible. I'll come back to that. Things like the wages of sin is death. Things like all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's kind of God's way of just kind of laying out reality, going, yeah, don't play well and you're going to die. And we all die. 
that all sin and fall short of the glory of God, that none of us are playing this game the way God ultimately wants it to be played. Got an email last week, and I'm going to hop back to that now. Let me, let me show it to you. Hi, Pastor Dave. I know this is super late, but a question came to me while I was working, and I wanted to email you while it was in my head. By the way, and I always like to give this disclaimer, she said I could share this with you today. My question is hate a sin. Quick, how would you answer that question? Is hate a sin? You'd probably answer yes. But don't you want to kind of know what's motivating the question? She shares it. You know, in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, it says that there's a time to love and a time to hate. But can I, you know, I look at Jesus, and he tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves. So even though there is a time for everything under heaven, is it still sinful to hate? And here it is. I know that I have hated in my heart, and I don't like it, but I can't help it. So my main question is, am I in constant sin because I hold hate in my heart and hate is a sin? Man, that's a great question, isn't it? Now, you don't need to shout this out loud or anything, but how would you have answered her? I think there's this temptation to look at the implication and want to soft pedal it. I think there's a temptation to go, oh, you know, what you're experiencing is kind of natural to human condition. You know, it, it's normal to get like, like, like these feelings. Who know full well what it means to hate. You've been ripped open by someone. Someone who stood at an altar and said, to have and to hold for better or worse, for richer, poorer, in sickness and in health, and they left you. They traded up in their eyes. Or they wreaked havoc in your life and you know what it's like to hate. Someone who's hurt you. Someone who's hurt you when you were a kid. Someone who's hurt your kid in a way that they should never be hurt. And you know what it's like to hate. And it can be tempting to look at stuff like that and want to go, wow, well, geez, so does that mean you're not playing the game well because you're feeling this? Does that mean that you're sinning against God because you're feeling this? There's a tendency to want to maybe try to qualify it, to try to draw back. But I think about what Jesus says and what she is honest enough to know. Where Jesus says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. You have heard it said, and Jesus will quote the law. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with his brother or sister in his heart is guilty of murder. Look. There's a lot of set of rules out there telling you how to play the game of life. But when you look at that game, the way God wants it played, you realize it is a tough, tough game to play. And none of us do it perfectly. 
And to even say it like that does it injustice because what you realize more than that is, Lord, well, Lord, this is true of me. Substitute my name. I have sinned and fall short. Today, present tense, of your glory. And I know that you say the wages of sin is death. And so what I want to talk about next is what it means to come face to face. Because God has a solution to this game that we call life. And you'll find it in that same statement I gave you earlier. We say, I covenant to do what? Restart my life. How often? Repenting of my sins. Embracing God's forgiveness. And recommitting to live as God wants. Because when you don't play life the way that God wants you to play it, it has consequence. It has consequence in your life. It has consequence in other people's life. But it also has consequence in your relationship with God. It damages it. It hurts it. And God, who is just gives us the wages of what we deserve. But God sent his son Jesus into the world to take those consequences for us. Jesus played the game of life, and he played it perfectly. And then he sacrificed his life rather than getting the end credit scene and counted his win to you. What God says is the solution to a life poorly played is not learning to play better, to somehow appease him as though there is unlimited tries to do so. You get one life, and it has consequence. No, it's to look up to heaven and say, God, I have messed this life up. I'm dying here. And I know I'm going to die before I reach the end. Oh, God, come into my game. Come into my game. Save me. Rescue me. Oh, Lord, count your win towards me because I don't got what it takes. I can't play this game well enough to make it to the end. Count your win towards me. So that God... I can end well. That is God's solution to the game called life that all of us struggle to play. And within it is embedded a practice to live out that reality every single day. Depending on your church body, it'll be called something formally like confession and absolution. We call it simply something like repenting and receiving God's forgiveness. What does it look like to come to God, not trying to impress him with the life well played, but throwing yourself on him, saying, Lord, can we do a do-over? Can we restart the game? Can, can you wash this past away? And though there still may be consequence for what has happened, can you renew me today 
God, die in here. I need you. Forgive me. And let's start afresh. And God offers that to each and every one of you every single day. I love this line from 1 John, that if we claim to be without sin, if we claim that we have not made mistakes, fallen short, we're, we're deceiving. Like, what are we doing? We're just like lying to ourselves. That ain't truth. There's no truth in us if we think that way. But the good news is if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness, that if you take all the regrets and all the shame and all the sin and all the baggage and all the past and all the present and you bring it to God and say, Lord, for the sake of your son Jesus, forgive me. He's faithful and he's just and he'll do it. Forgiven, he says. Purified, he says. Let's start again today. To me, that's a life worth living. To me, that is a game worth playing. See, what God has done is he has embedded a cosmic cheat code into the game called life. Let me share with you something Jane didn't know. Here's the opening screen. Player one, player two. Hit select, hit start. You play the game. Are you with me? But if Jane were to do this, and you know it, say it with me if you do. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, start. Now, now for the uninitiated here, do you understand what this is saying here? If you were to take your controller and you take the D-pad, that's that thing on the left, like the like, directional thing, that's called a D-pad, all right? And you'd go up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, hit the button B, hit the button A, reverse that. It is BA. Look what I did. And hit start. 30 free lives. But I think about what Jesus says. When Peter comes to him, Lord, should I forgive my brother seven times? No, 70 times seven, you forgive him. Because with God, it isn't even limited to 30 tries. 70 times seven, infinite amount of do-overs with God in this game called life. Come to me, he says. Be honest with me about where you shot your friend in the back, about where you failed to jump, about where you wouldn't follow, about what you refused to do, about how you resisted and rebelled against me, or simply how you made a mess of things. Bring it to me. Tell me about it. Give it to me, because I can play this game. And with me, we're going to renew right here again today. Because let me tell you this, God allows do-overs. So let me tell you a little bit about how to play this out. 
I want to leave you with some ways to go about actually doing this. Let me start here. Do it. Restart daily. Do you look at your life as something to be restarted daily as you spend time with God? What would it look like every morning or every night or whatever that magic time of day is for you to say, Lord, right here, right now, I know that I am not playing the game the way that you've called me to play and let's start this fresh right now. Lord, make me aware. Lord, here it is. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me. Lord, thanks for the extra life. Let's play over again right here today. What would it look like in your life to think that way, to orient yourself that way, to live a life rooted in that instead of the endless pursuit of a game that is too hard to play, trying to do it by yourself? That's nonsense in this game. You need God. Otherwise, you're drowning at the bottom of that creek filled with bullet holes and whatever other video game metaphor I can come up with in the spot. You know what I mean. Do it. Do it every single day. You don't have to make it complex. You don't have to make it weird. You go, hey, God, look, I'm just here. And I'm just saying I'm sorry. And if you know what you're sorry about, name it. And if you don't go, God, I just know that there's, there's stuff like hate and, and anger and greed and lust and pride and weakness and cowardice and apathy that reside in my heart. Just, just tell them the condition of who you are and say, Lord, forgive me. For the sake of your son, Jesus, forgive me. Wash me clean. Let's start new today. And God, God will meet you right there in that place. And he will. Do it. Make it part of your life every single day. And you see what God does in that. And you see how life shifts in that. It's not just a cheat code to punch in at random. No, no, give him your heart in it. Orient yourself to it. Let me give you this. Learn how to play from others. And not just so you can play it better, they'll learn that too. Learn how to confess your sin to God from others. I don't know about you, but my prayers can all start sounding the same. Total rote, total check-in. Okay, Dave, you said I'm supposed to do this. Okay, here I am. God, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. What's on TV? We go through the motions with God a lot, don't we? And we think we have to kind of like churn up the spiritual energy ourselves, the devotion ourselves. Do you know there are 2,000 years of Christians before us who have been learning to play this game called life and learning to come to God in this well Learn from them. I want to share a couple prayers with you today. This is a book. It's a collection of actually Puritan prayers and devotions. Like, you know, Turkey Pilgrim, you know. These brothers could pray. Listen to some of these. Searcher of hearts. First, do you ever even address God that way? Like, we could just go three words in. It's like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know my heart. God, searcher of hearts. It is a good day to me when you give me a glimpse of myself. Sin is my greatest evil, but you are my greatest good. I have cause to hate myself, to loathe myself, not to seek self-honor. For no one desires to commend his own dunghill. Do you ever use the word dunghill in your prayer? 
My country, family, church fare worse because of my sins. For sinners bring judgment in thinking sins are small or that God is not angry with them. Let me not take other good people as my example and think I'm good because I'm like them. For all good people are not as good as you desire, are not always consistent, do not always follow holiness, do not feel eternal good in sore affliction. Show me how to know what a thing is evil when I think it's right and good, how to know when it is lawful, even when it comes from an evil principle. Give me grace. Give me grace, especially in my lack of knowing your will. And it goes on. It's a pretty cool prayer, isn't it? Well, that's page one. Here's another one. It's called Yet I Sin. Eternal Father, you're good beyond all thought, but I'm vile, wretched, miserable, blind. My lips are ready to confess, but my heart is slow to feel. My ways reluctant to amend. I bring my soul to thee. Break it, wound it, bend it, mold it. Unmask me to sin's deformity, that I may hate it, abhor it, flee from it. My faculties have been a weapon of revolt against you. As a rebel, I've missed my, misused my strength and served the foul adversary of your kingdom. Give me grace to bewail my stupidness. Because I've seen purity in you. Do you pray like that? That's page two. O Lord, bend my hands and cut them off, for I have often struck thee with a wayward will. When these fingers should embrace thee by faith, I am not yet weaned from my created glory, honor, wisdom, and esteem of others. O my crucified but never holy, mortified sinfulness. O my lifelong damage and daily shame. O my indwelling and besetting sins. O the tormenting slaves of a sinful heart. God, destroy the dark guest within me whose hidden presence makes my life a hell. And it goes on. And I even started talking the grace parts yet. Do you realize that this goes on for like 40 pages like this? With titles of prayers like heart corruptions, self-deprecation, the deeps, continual repentance, confession and petition, contrition, humiliation, mortification, purification, reproofs, the broken heart, self-naughting, shortcomings, backsliding, sins, pride, passion, penitence, I'm a nothing, a cry for deliverance, mercy, crucifixion and resurrection, and ending with new beginning. Why are you triggered trying to figure out how to pray on your own? Let other people guide you into the groanings of your heart that you find difficult expressing because in that you will find God will help you tap away to pray in a way that isn't just rote babbling. The same prayer, the same ways because you were told to do it. For time's sake, let me fast forward just through another couple few. Get sacramental. Have someone pronounce forgiveness over you. Do you know there's power in those words? In our tradition, the Lutheran tradition, they actually practice it, and they call confession and absolution the third hidden sacrament. 
It's the idea that when God commands certain things, he actually works through it. So that when a body comes together or a person comes forward and says, I will confess my sins publicly, God is faithful and just and you can count on it. And someone who is in Christ can speak over you and say, hey, do this. Hear the words of Jesus on my lips. Hear me as though I am Jesus talking to you. I forgive you. I forgive you all your sins, and God will enliven grace in your life when you do that. We don't come here just to sing songs, drink coffee, see our friends, and maybe learn some life lessons. If that is all church is to you, you've missed it. You come here to receive grace, and the Spirit is on the move, working through channels that He wants to bring it into your life. Take Him up on it. He invites you to. And I'll end it here. Confess to each other. It doesn't just have to be me. James says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. What are you carrying around? What is the silent, killing shame? Stop bearing that burden. Confess your sins to someone you trust and who is trustworthy with it can take you by the hand and pray God's forgiveness over you in Jesus' name. This isn't some technique for a better life that we're sharing here today. It's the heartbeat of what life with God is all about. And our encouragement to you Just take them up on this in this game. Live your life Jesus' way, restarting every single day in his forgiveness and renewal. Amen? Yeah. I invite you to stand with me.